And we're looking at the fifth commandment tonight. We're in Exodus chapter 20 as our main text. As we look at honoring your father and mother, the commandment with the promise, the first commandment with the promise. And we'll be looking at that as our uh, text tonight. But as we begin, I want to remind you of the purpose of the law. Galatians chapter 3, as we look at verse 10. Galatians 3, 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Galatians 3.10 For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all, you might want to circle that word, all things written in the book of the law, to perform them. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, it is clear, for the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. What curse did Christ redeem us from? The curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? What is it? The soul that sins shall surely die. And the curse is this, that the one who wants to be justified by the law must perform all of the law. And that is a curse. Why? Because it is not within me to perform the law. And therefore Christ redeemed me from that curse. Notice in verse 13, he hung on the tree for us in order that in Christ Jesus, verse 14, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now if you drop down uh, verse 19, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up all men under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who, keyword believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, summation of all that we've just seen, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by, there it is again, faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer, and this is very important, under a tutor. We're not under law, but under grace, what Paul said in Romans for you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, this is the purpose of the law. The law cannot impart life. The law is a schoolmaster. It is a tutor to drive us to the mercy that's found in the redemption of Jesus Christ. Now, if you go to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20 is where we are, and we are looking at the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 is the first um, of two places where you find the Ten Commandments. The other place is found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we will look at Deuteronomy uh, a few times tonight. But in Exodus chapter 20, <clears throat> we've been over four of the Ten Commandments. We have the Fifth Commandment listed. The Fifth Commandment is found in Exodus 20 verse 12. And before we look at that, I just want to pray one more time. Father, would you guide us? I appreciate so much Oscar's uh, prayer for me. And uh, just the, uh, I just want to personally pray right now, Lord, that you would bless, that you would renew my mind, um, bring forth what you would will tonight, and bless your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 12, 20, excuse me, 2012 <coughs> says, Honor your father and your mother 
that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now it is, um, I think as most of you being fairly seasoned Christians tonight, some of you may not describe yourself that way, but uh, you've been in the Lord for a while, you've, uh, you're familiar with the Bible, you, this is nothing new to you. As a matter of fact, um, those of you who are parents in the room probably have quoted this commandment numerous times. If you're like me, honor your father and mother, kid. You know, who pays the rent around here and that kind of thing, you know. But as you look at the fifth of the Ten Commandments, you might think to yourself, is this one of those commandments that really illumines um, what we just read in Galatians chapter 3? After all, we can quickly think of um, the commandment, don't put other gods before the God of the Bible. Don't make an idol. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Keep the Sabbath day. We could think about Jesus equated not murdering with not hating someone without a cause. He equated adultery with lust. We've all told, told a lie. We've all bore false witness. So we could think maybe there's other commandments that show the light of the law or the light of the law shows on us to show us our sinfulness. But I would submit to you tonight that there may not be a more uh, significant command in this sense that it shows our sinfulness than the fifth commandment. And I'll tell you why. Because in the fifth commandment, the command is to honor your father and your mother. The word honor in Hebrew is the exact opposite word of the word vain. Now, the word vain in the third commandment, God said, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember what we talked about, what vanity is? What is it? It is worthlessness or emptiness. It's to put no esteem to something. It's to use the name of the Lord God in vain. We kind of made the joke like the valley girl does, you know. She says it without any reverence. She uses God's name as a filler. That's what vain is. Now, the word honor is the direct opposite. It is to put weight to something. The, the term actually means to put weight to. To honor means to esteem highly, to place value to. You are to honor your father and your mother. They are to be revered and valued. But there's a problem. And this is why I believe the fifth commandment shows us how sinful we really are. Because kids have a very difficult time honoring their father and their mother. Now before we jump so quickly to a righteous conclusion, we all were kids at one point. And the reason that we at times struggled with honoring our father and mother was one simple reason. They were telling us what to do. And we don't like that. And as a matter of fact, I was joking with someone a little earlier that even when we get older, our parents then become grandparents. They seem to mellow a little bit, you know. They, I think they laugh a little bit more about child rearing. Is that true? And they might try to impart some wisdom to us. And what do we do? Don't tell me how to raise those kids. <laughs> right? Now they've been around, they've been through it, but we don't want to hear it. And then what are we doing? Not honoring our father and mother. Not putting esteem or weight or reverence to who they are. This is a very revealing command in the sense that it shows us our sinfulness. From the time a child is born, it seems like there is inbred rebellion within us. And it's all of us. We believe that we are the center of the universe. And we do not want someone telling us what we should do. Parent, sibling, whatever it is. And so it seems like you go through this tug-of-war with your children uh, from the time they're small. Now, they're all different personalities. Uh, some have different temperaments. Some, you know, a little bit more extreme in one behavior or the other. But 
they have difficulty, we have difficulty with the concept of honor. It is a hard thing. And this is what God says in this command. I want you to honor your father and your mother. This is the fifth commandment. Have you all broken this particular commandment? Oh, yes. Now, most people say, in my teenage years, most definitely, almost daily, (laughs) right? But we've all done it. And remember, Galatians 3 says, the law was given to drive us to Jesus Christ. The law shows us our utter sinfulness. And I believe that if we look a little bit deeper, I think we can see something very interesting. And here's what interests me. I believe that this particular commandment has a deeper uh, picture to it than just the human relationship. Although this is uh, the first command in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, that deals with human relationships. The first four really have to do with us and God. But when you think about it, the deeper thing here is that God, when He wanted to reveal Himself to humanity, reveals Himself as our Father. And the word glory is an interesting word in Hebrew because the word glory is connected to the word honor. We're to honor our father and mother. We're to give honor and glory to God. The Hebrew word for uh, glory is doxa and it means weighty, heavy. God is holy and glorious and we are to esteem Him. We are not to take His name in vain. We are to honor Him. And he says, not only are you to honor me, but you're to honor your earthly parents. And the way you honor your earthly parents will in many ways affect the way you honor your heavenly father. Does that make sense to everybody? And so I want to I show you a, a New Testament verse that's a great commentary on this, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. So you can hold your place in uh, Exodus and turn to... Ephesians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul deals with this subject. He's been talking to the church at Ephesus about uh, who we are in Jesus and how we can celebrate his great love for us. And then after that, after he uh, talks about who we are in Jesus and that it's all Jesus, he did it all for us, then in uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Paul changes from doctrine, theology, position in Christ to duty. And he says, Therefore now walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And then he gets into how we should live as Christians. And in chapter 6, as he culminates, uh, he's been dealing with wives and husbands at the end of chapter 5. And then in chapter 6, he addresses children. Verse 1, Ephesians 6, he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The word obey means to hear under or subordinate yourself to listen attentively to them. I don't know if you've noticed like I have, but it seems like we live in a generation where kids have lost their respect for elders. In 1 Peter chapter 5, um, in verse 4, Peter talked about younger men being submissive to the elders. And I know, Emmanuel, you've talked a lot about your own culture and how there seems to be a lot more respect for uh, places in society and and elder, younger relationships, but not so much in the United States anymore. It seems like we've gotten away from that. It seems like uh, there's not a lot of respect uh, for elders. And as a matter of fact, we look at some children and we think there's not a lot of respect for parents. We see the shows on television, you know, the Dr. Phil's and we see the super nannies and these kinds of television programs and they, they show some, some frightening things. And we even run into some of these kids as we uh, maybe do some different things in the community. And we wonder, what is the problem here? What's going on? Well, we live in a divorce generation and a fatherless generation and um, they talk about the statistics in uh, prisons and how many... Uh, Uh, people you can interview on death row who have no father figure and no influence at home. And so they don't even learn what the meaning of honor is. And one of the things I uh, tried to do years ago was to put the word honor into my family vocabulary and to teach my sons what it meant to honor. And while 
they're just like every other kid in terms of, you know, they're growing up and like to have fun and, and they're boys. I'm still trying to impart what it means to honor. I'm still trying to teach them what God says about the chain of command and what it means to respect their elders. And I get glowing reports of how they behave outside of the home. <laughs> Keyword, outside of the home. <laughs> Inside of the home, no, they, they're wonderful boys. But, you know, brothers, uh, they have their moments. But here, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, how do you like this statement? How does this grab you? For this is right. Now today we have a problem saying that in society because people say you can't say something's right or true anymore. You don't say that. If a kid in school says two plus two is five, will you tell him, okay, Johnny, if that's how you feel. Look, two plus two is four. It always will be four. And to honor your father and mother is right. Can I hear it? Amen. Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure you guys were with me. This is right. In our society, you can't say things like that because if you say something is right, then you have to say something else is wrong. And people don't like to hear that, especially when they're doing the thing that's wrong. But anyway. Now, Paul says in verse 2, honor your father and mother, quoting back now to Exodus, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, this is the, uh, the verse that Paul quotes. And if you're interested in the word honor, I told you it means basic root meaning to make weighty. Some definitions for you. Honor means to revere, to place value, to treat with significance. It's the opposite of vain. To honor our parents is to love them, to respect them, to regard and prize them highly for their position over us. It is to esteem our parents. As a matter of fact, in Jewish culture, one of the ways that you express this is to take your elderly parents into your home and to care for them as they grew older. And I know that's always a difficult challenge and some of us have faced that in our lives where you know we have a family member that gets older and we take them in and it's filled with challenges and and uh, things like that. But the Bible uh, certainly makes it clear that we are to honor them. We are to honor those who uh, are over us, our mother and father, grandmother, grandpa, that it may be well with you, verse 3, that you may live long on the earth. But notice there is a balancing verse here. But fathers, verse 4, don't provoke your children to anger. Now, while our kids certainly have a responsibility to us parents, to honor us, to esteem us, to reverence us, to prize us, to feel the weight of our position. Our responsibility, and by the way, the word fathers here is a Greek word that mainly means father, but you could just put it this way. You could say it this way. Parents don't provoke your children to anger. Parents don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now certainly, <clears throat> we need to uh, make sure that the promise is balanced out. Our kids are to honor us, but we are not to provoke them. We are not to try to intentionally get under their skin, to shut them down, to make them feel worthless. We are not to do that. We are to speak blessing as much as possible into their lives. And a good way for us to understand this as parents is that it says here that we're to bring them up in the, uh, notice in verse 4, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I could break this down for you, but the idea is that we need to nurture and discipline. Nurture and discipline. Nurture and discipline. All wrapped in the bundle of love. So as much as I will have to discipline my son at times and say, son, this is the way you ought to go. This is how you should act. I also need to nurture my son. As a matter of fact, that's the implication of the word parent, is I'm a nurturer. Pater is the uh, Greek word here for parent or father. And has the idea of one who will nurture, one who will help his uh, son or daughter to grow. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and I want you to notice here that there's a promise connected to this, and we're going to dig this out a little bit that you may live long on the earth 
And uh, the, the previous verse says, this is the first commandment with a promise, and the promise is for long life. The promise is for a blessed life. Now, we've often joked before that if they don't obey us, we might just take them out early. Who was it, Bill Cosby, who said, I brought you into the world and I can take you out? Uh, sometimes we, <laughs> we might feel that way. Um, the old uh, saying is, I'm going to beat this kid to within an inch of his life, you know. We often feel like that. Now, of course, there's, uh, if you turn back to Exodus now, there's all this debate about spanking. You know, should we spank our children? And uh, I think one senator tried to pass a law uh, very recently that would make it a crime if you spanked your kid. <clears throat> and I remember I was watching a Dr. Phil program one afternoon. I was encouraged to watch this program because the program was about spanking. And <clears throat> the, uh, the position that was being articulated on this program <clears throat> excuse me, was that um, you should never spank your kids. It's always wrong. And so what you need to do is give them the time out. And so as I watched this program, they were interviewing this mom. And, you know, of course, some parents take the spanking thing to the extreme where, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and, of course, it could lead into abuse. And we're certainly not advocating that. But Dr. Phil was talking about, he's talking to this woman who was spanked when she was a child. And, and so she was trying to figure out how to discipline her kids. And so he basically said to her, when you got spanked as a little kid, how did it make you feel? And she said, I, I felt very bad, very unloved. And so he was teaching the time out thing that you keep taking this kid and you put him back in the chair. And so the the lady was asking the reasonable question, well, what if he won't stay in the chair? What do I do? <laughs> you keep them there. You keep that child there because you're the boss and you've got to be firm about it. And I just yelled at the TV, I wonder how the child would feel <laughs> as you tried to force them back in that chair. How terrible. And he was using this whole subjective feeling argument to argue, now you felt bad when you got spanked, right? But you ought to force that kid back in that, that timeout chair. And it was contradictory. And I'll give you a quick example of where I think spanking is reasonable. When my uh, littlest uh, boy was uh, young and he was at the point where he got out of the crib and he was in the bed, we were having a challenge with bedtime. And he simply would not stay in bed. So I heard Dr. Dobson teaching and he was talking about, you know, drawing the boundary and making it clear to your child what, what he ought to do and then using spanking if he crosses the line. If you tell him what the line is and he looks at you and crosses it to see what you'll do, that you, you would employ the spanking. So James was uh, having a challenge with bedtime and so we, I decided I'm going to use this. Nothing else is working. So I went into the bedroom and I said, no, nah, James. I said, it's now bedtime. You are to stay in this bed. And if you get out of this bed, daddy's going to spank you. And big eyes, you know, looking at me. <clears throat> so I thought we were communicating. I turned the light out. I'm walking down the hallway. I look behind me. There's James. <laughs> Thinking, boy, <laughs> there's a failure to communicate here, right? So we go back in the room. And I gave him a few right like it was the end of the world so he cried I hugged him I said now daddy loves you but you can't behave that way so you get back in your bed now I just want you to know that if you get out of that bed again went through the whole routine again daddy gonna right big eyes I thought now nah, he's got it he cried and everything right shut the door <laughs> look behind me there's James again <laughs> thinking this is not gonna be easy so and Dobson warned, you, gotta repeat, you might have to repeat the process a few times and it might hurt you, but you've got to do it. So I did it by about the fourth time. James did not come out of the room again. And that was a reasonable discipline. After I spanked him, he cried a little bit and then I hugged him and I reassured him that I loved him, but he couldn't behave that way. That is biblical discipline. You, if you spare the rod, you will definitely spoil the child. Now there are some parents... And this is where our society always goes. They go to extremes. Well, if you spank the child, they're going to be... Wait a minute. Sometimes you have to apply... What's the old saying? The board of correction to the seat of understanding. 
It does get the message across, okay? You're to do it with balance and uh, you're to do it not yourself out of control. But we think, you know, we think that parents just can't seem to, to, to make balanced decisions. No, we can. We can make wise, balanced decisions. And Paul says we are to raise our children in the fear and the instruction of the Lord. Now there's a promise attached to this and I want you to notice back in Exodus 20 verse 12 that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now what did God say? He said, well, if you do what I say, your days are going to be prolonged. If you don't do what I say, you're going to be in trouble. Now, Deuteronomy is what we want. Chapter 5. And I'm, I'm taking you all over the Bible here, but um, we need to look at Scripture with Scripture. Paul mentioned that it may be well with you that you may live long in the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Deuteronomy 5, 16. This is the other place where we have the Ten Commandments. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 5, 16. <clears throat> Honor your father and your mother. Deuteronomy 5, 16. As the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Look at verse 33. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you that you may, you might want to underline it, live and that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, Moses is talking, that you may do them in the land where you are going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life that your days, here it is again, may be prolonged. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it that it may be well with you. Here it is again that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be in your heart or on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Would you uh, skip down to verse 12? He says, After all of these blessings come to you, then watch yourself, verse 12, lest you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Drop down to verse 18. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give your fathers, by driving out all of your enemies from before you as the Lord has spoken. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do these testimonies and statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord your God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. And he brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord, our God, for our good always, and for, what does it say in your Bible? Our survival. Do you say preservation in yours? as it is today, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our, boy, that just catches my attention, survival. What did the Lord mean? This commandment of honoring father and mother was attached with a promise. The promise was that your life would be prolonged and it might go well with you. Now the original promise was promised to Israel as they went into the promised land. But Paul repeats it in Ephesians 6 as a principle of long life. Now, Do you guys, uh, as you think about these things, what do you think the Lord means? Why does he say honoring your father and mother is attached 
with a promise of blessing and prolonged life. Why is that? Let me ask you a question. Now, we talked about the, the taking this down a level. And we said, okay, now kids, this shows our sinfulness. And we even see our own sinfulness and we're not wanting to honor our parents. But think about the flip side. As a parent now, most of you are parents in the room, if not all of you. As a parent, what are your intentions for your child? What do you want to do as a parent? Your child's growing up in your home. What's your greatest thing that you want to do for them? I'll tell you one word. I want to protect my kid. I want to make sure that wherever he goes, whatever he does, that he is protected. Oscar, you were going to say something. What, what, what else came to mind? You want to bless them. You want to see them do well. You want to see them prosper. Now, have you guys ever thought about this? Remember we said earlier that God is our Father. And sometimes we look at the Christian life and we see that He sometimes says, don't do this, do this. Don't do this, do this. Now, this can be overemphasized. Sometimes you, know, you feel like you're in places where it's all about don't, 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 don't and legalism and we've certainly talked about that and, and, and we, we realize the balance there. But look at it from God's perspective. What does God want for you as his child? He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to live a life of blessing, to represent him well. And so this is what he does in our lives, is that he wants the days prolonged. What did he want for Israel when they crossed over into Canaan? He wanted blessing. But what did he tell them throughout the Old Testament? If you keep my ways... If you do what I say, if you honor me and don't follow after false gods, your days will be prolonged and you will be blessed. But if you turn to false gods, if you will not keep my statutes and commands, what did God say? Well, if you're not going to live a long, blessed, prolonged life, you're going to live a short one. Now, were there times in the Old Testament where God saw disobedience and said... I've had it. And some people got toasted. True? The earth opened up and swallowed some folk. Right? Am I, am, I, am I saying correctly? So God said, look, stay on the path because this is the path of blessing. At the end of Deuteronomy, Moses said, look, I've set before you blessing and cursing. Choose life. Now God has children today, spiritual children, you and me. What does he do? We get saved. The law becomes our schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. Oh, we haven't kept the law. We haven't always honored our parents. We haven't always been truthful. And so we run to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and we find this new life. And God says, now, you've got about 27 things I want to deal with. <laughs> We're going to take these one at a time. So this thing goes and this thing goes and you're wrestling with this thing and thinking, oh Lord, this Christian life, why Lord, I mean... And God's going, look, I got blessing and prolonged life for you. Walk in the path. And you say, but, but do you really? You're almost like that kid, you know? He thinks you're always trying to ruin his fun. Well, I wanna, all my friends are going to that movie and I'm going to... That movie's rated R, kid, and you're only five. You know, you're not going to that movie, right? But why? Isn't this the way we are? Sometimes we look at what God's doing and we say, now, Lord, I don't really understand that or I'm just wrestling with this thing and am I ever? And God says, look, you want to know my heart? My heart is the heart of a father. I want what's best for you. You may not always understand it. You might not even always appreciate my ways of doing things. But I want you to know, that's my heart. I want to protect you. I want to love you. And I want you to be a blessing to others. You see the picture? This is why I think this command reveals something much deeper than we may have thought. This is a command with a promise. What's the promise? Well, we think uh, Israel's promise was certainly going into the land and experiencing the fruitfulness of blessing. We even think in Ephesians 6, Paul 
talking about how we live as believers. But remember, we, we've gone down a layer and, and we've said God's our Father and the promise is what? It's life. Remember in John 10.10, 10, we just looked at this Sunday, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Is that what you want for your kids? Of course. You want them to live in abundance. And I would submit to you, that's what God the Father wants for his kids tonight. He wants you to live in abundance. Ah, says the faith teacher. <laughs> I told you. I've been telling you all along. God wants you to have a black Mercedes <laughs> that you drive around following the footsteps of Jesus because he wants you to have the abundant life. Is the abundant life money? Oh, maybe. Maybe that's what God has in store for some of you. But the faith teachers, again, take it to the extreme. The abundant life is only money. That's what it means to have the blessing. And if you're poor, well, you're under the curse. Well, tell the people that live in some of the poorest nations in the world who are some of the most faithful Christians on the planet. Tell people in the Sudan who are being persecuted and paying with their lives that the abundant life is to have a bunch of money. No, that's not the abundant life. The, bun the abundant life is to walk into the promised land, a land rich with milk and honey. But what's the milk and honey in the Christian life? Is it having three cars and a vacation home and everything I want materially? No. It's the abundant life. Do you guys know what it is? What is it? It's peace. We talked about, remember the Good Shepherd, where does he lead us? To green pastures and still waters. It's all the fruits of the Spirit, right? So then we start to look at this promise and we start to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Number one, this promise shows my own sinfulness, perhaps more than any other, because it shows my selfish and childish ways. Rarely do I ever want someone to tell me what to do. Number two, once I become a parent, it gives me a perspective. You see, I want what's best for my child. That's my heart. But my child doesn't always understand that. Number three, it gives me a perspective from the standpoint of God's child. That that's what he wants for me, but sometimes I just don't get it. Number four, there's a promise. There's a promise of life, and it's an abundant life that God wants. That's what your father wants to lead you to. He is for you. He's not against you. We went to a marriage conference that a lot of our people are going to go to uh, over the weekend. And one of the things they made us do with our spouse is turn to our spouse and say these words to our spouse. You are not my enemy. <laughs> and Brendan and I were laughing because our marriage was doing just fine. <laughs> but you could see the tension in the room because some marriages were hanging on by a thread. And I don't mean to make light of that. But it was very difficult for some people not to say that. You are not my enemy. You see, with God, God is your Father. God loves you. He wants to bless you. And He is for you. He's not against you tonight. He's got rich places that He wants you to walk that flow with milk and honey. But He says, look, in order to get there, you've got to cooperate with the plan. But Daddy, right? All my friends are... You know, all the excuses that we can think of. And God says, honor me. Give me the glory due my name. All I want to do is bless you. But it's hard to stay... I know. It's a commandment with a promise. Now, there's another aspect to this. Um, I'll take you over to Hebrews for a second. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just about done, but I just wanted to show you something else that came to mind here. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> and it's the discipline of the Lord. Notice. Verse 5. Hebrews 12.5 says, You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. 
My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, Hebrews 12, 5, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God, verse 7, deals with you as with sons. For what son is there from... uh, is there whom his father does not discipline? Question mark. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, verse 9, Hebrews 12, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather, here it is, be subject to the father of spirits and what? And live. What, the people of reading the book of Hebrews weren't alive? They were alive. They were reading the letter. What does he mean, live there? Be subject to the father of spirits and live. You see, he transitioned now from an earthly example to a heavenly one. For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, probably not perfectly, But he, God, disciplines us for our, would you underline it? Good, that we may do what? Share his holiness. How many times have you heard a preacher say, God's ultimate goal in our lives is not to make us happy, but to make us holy. Why does God discipline us? Now, if you have a child as an earthly father or mother, and the child is going astray, What is your intention when you discipline them? You want to straighten them out. They're going astray. You know that that path will lead to trouble. So you try to step in and lead them back. And you do that through discipline. For their good to share ultimately in a maturing life, God says in this context to share in His holiness. Now that's your goal as a parent, but what's the child thinking? The child doesn't like it. The child's not appreciative (laughs) of your perspective (laughs) oftentimes. All discipline, verse 11, for the moment seems not to be joyful. This is no fun. No fun for either side. But sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields. What does it yield? the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, says the writer of Hebrews, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be, oh, this is a key, be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Radical, radical stuff. And see, this is the picture that I believe the fifth commandment paints for us. The fifth commandment says, no one has honored their father and mother at all times. But then we go down a level and we see, you know what? Wow. God has done something radical for us. You remember in your Bibles when you've been reading through and all of a sudden you came to Luke 15 and you, you saw Jesus tell these parables. And, you know, he starts, he starts these parables and he talks about a lost sheep and then he talks about a lost coin and then finally he talks about a lost son. Remember that? It's called the parable of the prodigal. And Jesus was telling this story to some religious leaders that were listening, that have been assembled, and he was trying to reveal the heart of who? Of God. And so he says, there's a guy, he has 100 sheep, he loses the one, he leaves the 99, he goes after the one sheep, he finds it, he puts it around his shoulders, he comes back rejoicing. He says he has a party. And that's what heaven's like when the one lost sheep is found. woman uh, loses a coin, she searches the house uh, to and fro, finds the coin, she has a party over the lost coin. And then there's this lost son And he wants his inheritance now. Now, Papa. No, the honor 
is waning in the younger son. While the dad gives it to him. So he goes out, you remember, lives on riotous living, lives it up, ends up in the pigsty, trying to get food with the pigs. For the Jew, remember, the pig was the worst of the unclean animals. To be trying to work with pigs is one thing. To be trying to eat their food, oh, you've sunk to some low levels. And you all remember, the son comes to his senses. He says, man, even my servants are doing better than I'm doing out here. I'll come. I'll repent. He rehearses it, you know. I'll tell my father, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me one of your hired slaves. Well, when he's little bit of distance away what happens the father sees him and he says you lousy no good don't ever no he doesn't do that huh he sees him he goes running to him he hugs him puts the robe on him the ring on his finger kill the fatted calf it's party time for this son of mine was dead he's alive again keyword he was lost that's what the parables are all about and now he's found. Here's the last thing. When you look at a command about honoring your father and your mother and you realize how many times, humanly speaking, you've messed that up. And then you translate that to the spiritual picture. You wonder sometimes, does God love me? You know, today, that is the deepest question that I think children have. Am I loved and do I belong? You know how many wounded people are walking around in this world today asking those questions? They're adults. They still wonder. And so God says, you know what my love is like? I'll tell you what it's like. It's like a father whose son bailed and spent his money frivolously left him behind, didn't even look back. And I'm the father that waits. And God has unconditional love for us. And once we belong to him, it doesn't matter what we do. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He loves us. But he says, look, if you walk in the way, if you do what I say, if you obey then you can avoid the memory of the pigsty. You can avoid the hard lessons. But if you do do that, if you do go astray and you come back, I'll love you anyway. That's our God. That's our amazing God. So he says, honor your father and mother. This is the commandment that has the promise attached to it. Long, prolonged life. But if you go astray, or if you have some uh, ones in your life that are in that position today, then try to act like the Father. You with me? Have the heart of the Father. I tell you, I wrestle with this a lot as a dad. I I always want to come across the right way I always want to have enough discipline, but enough blessing, enough uh, of correction and encouragement. And so I, I recap some stuff in my notes. I just hope that it will help you. Here's my recap. Number one, don't provoke your children. Number two, do nurture them. Number three, do discipline them. Number four, do instruct them. And number five, do encourage them. And if you do, I think you will see the fruits of your labor. Sometimes you're going to be frustrated. Sometimes you're going to wonder, is it working? (laughs) But in the end, I think you're going to see the fruit. A blessing. Lord God, uh, we're so grateful tonight that you love us. And Father, as we look at the fifth commandment to honor your father and your mother, we realize, Lord, that Uh, there's been so many times that uh, we have failed. But we know that the law is a schoolmaster, a tutor to drive us to Christ. And he always did those things that pleased his father. He lived the perfect life 
that we did not and could not live. He fulfilled the law perfectly. He said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And then he laid down his life to redeem us from the curse of the law. We can't do the works, Lord. We've all blown it. And then we look at this picture of our Heavenly Father and we see, Lord, that this word honor means weighty. It means to to esteem, to give glory. And we think of how many times we have pursued vanity. How many times our own empty, vain glory. How many times we've turned our back on what we know is right. And yet, Lord, you've loved us. You've nurtured us when we need to be nurtured. You've disciplined us when we've needed discipline. And you've uh, reassured us when we've needed a reassurance. You've loved us to the uttermost. You loved us so much, Father, that you were willing to allow your unique one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty, the punishment for our sins because you are holy. And you tell us you did that because you so love us. So tonight we just want to rejoice in your great love for us. We want to rejoice that we are your adopted children. We are wanted. We belong. You love us. And Tonight we want to learn the lessons, Lord, of what it means to honor. To honor our ultimate Father, who is you. And yet, Lord, we realize that as we honor earthly parents and those over us, especially those over us in the Lord, that that paints a picture of our willingness to obey you. We don't want to be people who just go astray like sheep. We want to follow the voice of our shepherd. Lord, you've put some beautiful people in our lives. Um, You've taken us, all, all of us, through some rough times. Some of us can say that we didn't even have a chance to honor a father because he wasn't there. But we know in the end, Lord, you have redeemed every part of our lives. You've been so willing to love us through the good, bad, and ugly. And all we can do is say thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for loving us to the end. May you bless your people tonight. May you encourage them. May they always remember that they are part of your family. They are the beloved of God. And that you are for them. That you want to give them the blessing of true life and that's the abundant life where the the milk and the honey flow from the spirit of god so may you bless us tonight father may we honor you as we learn more about what honor means may we do it because you are worthy to be honored may we do it not because we're under some law that says we're not going to be loved unless we do this but rather may we do it because of who our father is and what family we represent and who we become because we are your sons and daughters. We thank you so much. In Jesus' holy and mighty name we pray. Amen.